Well, we are just continuing our way through the book of First Peter. If you have your Bibles with you, we're looking at First Peter 3, verses 8 through 17. And before we, before we read Scripture, let's, let's come to God in prayer one more time. Heavenly Father, we come before you now because we want to hear you speak to us. We know that we need your leading and your guidance in our lives, and so we come to your word seeking to hear what you have to say. And so, Father, we pray that you do that now, that you would speak powerfully and clearly into our hearts right now, that anything that may distract us from hearing what you have to say would be removed, removed from our hearts, removed from our minds, removed from even the environment around us, and that we would be able to focus clearly on what you have to say to us this morning. So, Father, we pray that you would open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive what you have to say to us this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. All right, so verse 8 through 17. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Amen. So one of the things um, that you learn growing up on a farm is you learn how to get things done with the equipment that you have, right? When something breaks, you don't have time to run to the, run into town every time, and you just start looking around the farm, you figure out what you've got, and you get the job done. And uh, it's kind of a skill that just stuck with me throughout most of my life. And it came in really handy when I had uh, my dock business in Minnesota. On uh, one occasion that I always pops into my mind as we, we drove over an hour to get to a job and we showed up and it was a dock that had screw-in posts. They screwed into the ground. We had no idea. The guy never told us that. And we normally have a big pipe wrench that we brought with to screw the post in. We didn't have it with. And so uh, one of my employees went out, saw the dock, saw the screw-in post and came back and said, we don't have the tools. We got to go home. <laughs> I said, nah. uh we drove over an hour to do this job. We're not leaving until this job is done. So start digging through the toolbox and figure out what we can make work. 
And so we found some old ratchet straps and a tire iron and wrapped them around the post a whole bunch of times and cranked the ratchet straps tight. Got the job done. But the point, so we made it work. But the point is, the next time we went to do the job, we brought pipe wrenches. (laughs) Right? Because, you know, you, you can get a job done when you're caught in a bind. You can take all this equipment and you can use it for things that it wasn't created to be used for and you can get the job done, but it just doesn't work well. It doesn't go smoothly. And, and you would be, I would have been foolish to keep showing up and say, well, we'll just show up with some ratchet straps and a tire iron and that's what we're going to use when we've got equipment that was created for that purpose. It's always the best case to use what use something for what it was created for and uh it's really the same thing with us as humans we're not all tools we're different than an object and yet we know that we've been created and designed by god for a purpose and i last time i preached i mentioned that we were created by god our purpose is to glorify god but he also created us in a certain way to live and speak and act in certain ways. That's how we're, that's our purpose. That's how we were designed to live. And in a general way, when we live that way, when we live the way God has created us to live, things go smoothly. We know that things don't go perfectly all the time, but, but in general, things go smoothly when we live the way that God has created us to live. And if we don't live, if we live the way that God has not created us to live, We can get along for a little while, kind of like a ratchet strap and a tire iron. You can make it work, but eventually you're you're doing things you weren't created to do. And so things turn out to be a mess. They They don't go smoothly. They don't work well. And so as you read through the book of Proverbs, that's the whole book is talking about. Here's how God has created us to live and kind of giving general principles about that. But in our passage this morning... Peter quotes Psalm 34, the psalm that I read at the beginning, and it's got a very proverb-like quality to it. And it starts off by saying, whoever would love life and see good days. Um, Basically asking, um, do you want to love your life and do you want to see good days? Assuming that nobody is going to say, nah, I want to hate my life and see bad days. Uh, Peter's saying, no, everybody on earth is seeking this kind of a life, right? Everybody wants to love the life that they're, ha- that they're living, and they want to see good days. It's really, um, I always say, it's the good life that everybody's seeking. It's the good life that um, everyone is really looking for it. And so he starts to lay this out and says, here's the good life that God has created you to live. And if you live this way, this is the, this is the good life. So he says, whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. It's. It just struck me that, so, he's saying, this is the good life. And I think that's a really different picture than what what we're being told when we turn on the TV or when we read a lot of books. 
Um, just saying, the good life isn't one of wealth and power and fame and popularity, but the good life is one where you keep your lips from evil. Or the good life is one who's not lying and deceiving others. The good life is one who's turning from evil and doing good, following God. The good life is one who's seeking peace and pursuing peace. And it's a good life because that's how God has created us to live. But just just take a moment and just kind of think about our current cultural climate and what's been going on for the last two weeks, three weeks. And think about how we're doing at living the good life God has created us to live. How are we doing at keeping our tongues from evil or our social media posts from evil? How are we doing at not deceiving one another? How are we doing at not lying to one another? Or how are we doing at seeking peace and pursuing peace? Not real good. It's no wonder that things are kind of a mess. And, and then you even tie this in and you realize that this whole passage we're looking at this morning is, is speaking about the good life that God has created us to live. And so verses 8 and 9 talk about the importance of having unity of mind. How are we doing at that? Or how are we doing at having sympathy for one another? Or how are we doing at having or showing brotherly love to one another? Or having a tender heart? Or having a humble mind. Or not repaying evil for evil. Or not returning insult for insult. It just was striking me this week that it's no wonder that things are a mess right now. We're just surrounded by people and even deep down in our own hearts are not living the way that God has created us to live. And, and he says, the psalmist says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. The righteous are those who, by faith, are, are living the way God has created them to live. It says God's eyes are on them and his ears are attentive to their prayer, but his face is against those who do evil and those who are not living the way that they've been called to live. His face is against them, and so things turn out to be messy. And yet one of the things I've noticed, and I've even noticed it in my own heart over the past even three months, I would say, as as tensions have grown over the virus and then everything with George Floyd happened, um, it's easy for us to read all of these things and then picture other people's faces. So as we, as we, as the Bible says, how are we doing at seeking peace and pursuing it? Our picture, our, our mind goes and sees somebody else's face and go, yeah, they're not doing a good job of seeking peace and pursuing it. Uh, it's rather than looking in our own hearts. And, and I, I really feel like, um, social media has just amplified that. Um, because social media has become this platform where we share memes thinking we're bringing about change in everybody else's lives. Um, and it prevents us or it doesn't encourage us to take a deep look at our own heart and realize that um, deep down in our hearts, we are lying and deceiving. Deep down in our own hearts, we are not pursuing peace or, or seeking peace deep down in our own hearts, 
We're returning evil for evil or insult for insult. And, and we can get on social media and, and have this fake sense that we're making a difference. If I just post this meme, <laughs> I'm making a difference. I don't have to go into my own community and try to, I don't have to look at my own heart, try to make sure that, that I'm right with God. I don't have to go into my own community and try to live this out. I can just throw this meme up here that's going to rebuke somebody and then go off on my day. Um, the reality is, it's not going to change any heart. It's not going to bring about any change anywhere. The only way, the only, only way we will ever see change come about is by living out the life that God has called us to live by faith in our communities. By going out into our communities, by looking at our own hearts and realizing that we are returning evil for evil or insult for insult, by realizing that we are not seeking peace and pursuing it, and then we go out into the community that we are in, the one that God has placed us in, and we go out and we seek peace, pursue it. We go out into the community that God has placed us in, and, and, we, and we don't return evil for evil. We don't return insult for insult. We don't lie. We, we show compassion. We show sympathy. We show brotherly love for one another. That's how change will come about. And it's really through the gospel, as God changes hearts through the gospel. But that starts with us looking at our own hearts and repenting. Repenting of, and saying, God, I have not lived the way you've called me to live. I have not lived the life that you've created me to live. I've been off doing my own thing and I've made a mess out of things. So I'm going to repent of that, Lord. I'm going to look to you and I want your forgiveness. And I'm going to try to follow you by your spirit. And as I was thinking about all of these different responses that are just kind of, they kind of bubble up inside of us. Most of them come down to being afraid come down to fear. I mean, if you think about it, why would we ever lie about something? Because we're afraid of what the truth is going to reveal, right? Or why would, we, why, would we, uh, why would we repay evil for evil or insult for insult? Like, what's at the core of that? It's we're afraid that justice isn't going to happen, and so we have to take it into our own hands. So if somebody calls me a name, I need to call them a name back to try to get some justice in there. If somebody punches me in the face, I'm going to punch them back in the face to try to get some justice. I'm afraid that there's no justice that's going to happen. And even a lot of the division that, that I see happening all over the place comes down to just fear. Fear of what's going to happen out there, but even... Um, as I've talked to, I've got friends who are all over the spectrum on, on all of these issues. Every divisive issue that's going on in our country, I've got friends on both sides, you know, going all over the place. And at the core, there's a fear of, of just what are people going to think if I say this or if I say that? And so we end up being entrenched. Some people are afraid to show compassion because they don't want to seem weak. Some people are afraid to talk about certain things because they're afraid they're going to be misunderstood and called a bigot or a liberal or whatever you're afraid of being called you're afraid you're going to be called that so you don't talk about certain things and fear gets in and it causes us not to live the way that god has called us to live and so peter just tells us stop being afraid of the wrong things don't fear he's talking about something else but he's talking about don't fear their threats don't be frightened but in your hearts revere christ as lord and he's talking about Psalm 34 when he says this. And in Psalm 34, it actually says, 
Don't fear all these other things, but first and foremost, fear God. Fear Christ. Over and above everything else, fear Him. And that's going to put things in a proper perspective. We go through life fearing other people's opinions, fearing the future, fearing uh, injustice, fearing all of these things. We go through life fearing those above God. We, we wander off and we make a mess out of things because we try to take it into our own hands. He says when we fear Christ over everything else, it's not a fear that causes us to be paralyzed and to kind of walk around cowering. Actually, when we fear Christ above everything else, it gives us a freedom to live without fear of anything else. So we don't have to be afraid of all of these other things. We can actually look to Christ and live that life out. And it frees us to live the life that we've been created to live. It frees us to live the, the good life of faith. And so he starts talking about this. When we fear Christ first and we start to live the life he's called us to live, then it changes things. And he starts off in verses at the beginning, 8 through 9, he talks about how we interact with one another just as Christians. And so he starts off by talk, using words like one another and brothers uh, because he's talking about Christians. And so he says, finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another. And be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, here's what you should be doing. Repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. All right, this is what he's talking about in the church. And we think, well, the church, no, we, we, we don't do this stuff in the church, right? We, we love one another. We show sympathy and compassion for one another. We don't... We don't repay evil for evil in the church. We don't insult people in the... Oh, yeah, we do. And Paul's saying, guys, as a church, stop. At the core, all of the commentators, as you study this passage, say Peter intentionally, right at the middle of all of these things, put brotherly love, saying it all could be summed up in that. You know, the the second greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says that looks like showing compassion, to one another. It looks like showing sympathy for one another. It looks like showing humility as we talk to one another. It means weeping with those who weep and rejoicing with those who rejoice. It means not exalting ourselves above anybody else, but humbling ourselves and taking the form of a servant. And he also says we need to be like-minded, which doesn't mean we all need to think the same things, believe the same things, but we need to have a similar idea as a church of what it means to be a Christian and what it means to live that faith out in the community. We need to work on that. But at the core of all of this, he says, in the church, we need to respond to criticism differently than the rest of the world. Because we know, I mean, okay, maybe not all of your instinct is like if somebody hits you, you're going to pop them back. Some of your instinct is going to run away, right? But some of us are fighters. Um, but, but, but there's a lot of us have an instinct where if somebody insults you, you've got one right there, don't you? I mean, it's right there coming out like, well, you're a, and it's just the sinful instinct in us that when somebody insults us, we want to fire back and hit them back in a different way. And Peter says, guys, that's not how we were created to live. God did not create us to live that way. And when we do, it gets a mess. What, what God has created us to do is to bless those who curse us. To bless those who do evil to us. 
to bless those who insult us. And Peter is not saying somebody insults you and you go, oh, bless your heart. That's not what he's saying. Or he's not saying somebody curses you and you go buy them groceries and you drop it off at their door like, oh, this will get you. you." No. He says, bless them. Like, do something good that actually benefits this person's life. That's what he means. And do it out of love for them. So they're doing evil to you. They're insulting you. He says, no, you do something to bless them, something that will actually benefit them. And he gives, Peter is not a dummy. He knows that this is tough. Um, it's tough to do. It's not our, you know, our sinful nature is trying to get us to do something else. So he helps us understand why this is so important. And on the one hand, he tells us this is how God has created us to live. So when we do that, when we bless those who curse us, things seem to go smoother. But he also reminds us that we fear God over everything else. And we trust that God, when God says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, that we don't get to take vengeance into our own hands. So if somebody insults us, we don't try to get justice by insulting them back. We trust that God will make it right one day. Somebody punches you, you walk away. You don't pop them back. You don't try to get justice back because you trust that God will bring justice to that situation. But more importantly, Peter says to remember, this is just how God treated us. Uh, Just think about how did God treat us while we were cursing him, insulting him, and doing evil against him. He blessed us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were spitting in his face, while we were insulting him, he sent a son to die on the cross to forgive our sins, to make us righteous, and to empower us to live the life he's created us to live. He actually blessed us so that living by faith in Christ, we could be free and we could live the life he's created us to live. And, and so while we were cursing him, he blessed us. And, and when we understand that about ourselves, that should free us to be able to do that to other people who are cursing us. And then he kind of switches gears a little bit and he says, okay, that's enough about talking about how we interact with one another in the church. Now, here's how I want you to interact out in the world. When you're living out your faith out in the world around a whole bunch of people who don't believe in Jesus... Here's how I want you to live. And the first thing he says is, I want you to keep living the Christian life. Even when you're out there, he says, who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as the Lord. So he says, we we keep living out the life God has created us to live. The good life out in the world in front of the rest of the people who don't believe. And for the most part, he says, they're going to see that and people are going to be drawn to that in, in a way, right? They're going to realize, hey, I think I've been created to live that way, right? That's why he says um, back here, who's going to harm you if you do good, right? People are going to see you living this life that God has created you to live and they're, they're going to be drawn to that. They're, they're going to think this is good, um, but as we know, not everyone appreciates the Christian life, do they? And so Peter, again, knows that. And some people are going to see you living out the Christian life and they're going to 
mock it. They're going to insult it. They're going to persecute you for it. And Peter says, it is still good. It is still what's best to live out the Christian life, even in that situation. He says, even if you should suffer for following Christ or doing what is right, you are blessed. So as we interact out in our communities, we are called to continue living the life God has created us to live. And he says, we're not supposed to be quiet about it. He says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. So he says, as you're living out your faith in the world, you're going to come have opportunities to talk about it, to explain to people, why are you living the way that you're living? Why are you blessing those who curse you? Why are you, why are you showing sympathy to this person? Why are you showing humility to that person? And he says, there's going to be some people, and I'm sure you've had this before, but there's going to be some people who come up to you and say, well, that's weird. Why did you do that? I don't understand why you did that. And Peter says, you better be ready to give an answer for that. You better be ready to tell them why you have hope in Christ, why you're living this way. But that's not really the context that Peter's talking to. He's actually, there's a reason why Peter has to keep telling this church, um, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of their threats because they're being persecuted. I mean, the, the community that they're in is coming after them and causing them to suffer and is mocking them and is persecuting, causing pain on them. And Peter says, you still need to speak up. You still need to be ready to give an answer. Even, even when people are spitting curses at you or doing violence to you, he says, you need to be ready to defend the gospel. You need to be ready to give an answer for what the good life is in Christ. Even as they spit on you, you need to do it with courage and boldness and you just keep pointing them to Christ. That's their only hope. And that's really the purpose of our church is to help equip you to do that. Our goal as a church is to help equip you to go out into the world and give a defense for the gospel, to explain to people why you live the way you do, to help you live that way, but also to help equip you to, to give a defense when people ask about it. But Peter says we still need to do that like a Christian too. We're not supposed to give a defense by insulting. We're not supposed to give a defense by doing evil or getting snarky. He says, no, we need to give a defense with gentleness and respect, with a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So as we go out into the world and as we give a defense for why we live the way we live and as we help people understand the life that God has created them to live, we need to have courage, we need to have boldness, but all of that needs to be mixed with gentleness and respect. Um, not just being a big jerk, but not being too quiet and never speaking. We have to have both of these in there. And, and Peter actually says the way we respond to somebody as they're, as they're just spitting venom at us for being a Christian, saying you're an ignorant fool, you're a whatever, 
Um, your response to them in that moment should make them ashamed of what they're saying about you. If you just start spitting back at them, trying to pound them in the ground like they were pounding you in the ground, you're just going to justify everything that they just said. Yep, I knew it. Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. He says, no, have courage and boldness and gentleness and respect. Respond so that they say, oh, maybe I don't see things rightly. As I wrap up, this is a major point as we talk about what the good life looks like in Christ, the good life of faith. It's not a life without suffering. The good life that God has created us to live is not one that has zero suffering in it. Um, That is not the message that you're going to get through every commercial that you watch on TV or whatever, right? Or that's not even the message of the world, right? That's why we kind of want to bubble wrap everybody because the good life is one without any suffering and yet the bible says no it's actually better if it's god's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil that sometimes living out the christian life doing which is doing good still means that there will be suffering in your life and that still the good life the life lived by faith in christ it's a better than a life lived rejecting the god who created you the good life is the life of faith in Jesus Christ. That you cannot have a good life, the good life, apart from Him. It's impossible. It requires faith and trust in Him to, to receive forgiveness for your sins, to receive His righteousness, to be empowered to live the life that He's created you to live. It just, it requires faith and trust in the midst of suffering. I mean, this past three months has been weird and difficult for everyone. To live the good life over these past three months requires faith and trust in Christ, that He's got you and that He's in control. It requires faith and trust in Christ that, that He will bring about justice and peace in His way and in His timing. It requires faith and trust as you go out and as you speak to people who are mocking and persecuting you for the faith, it requires faith that He's going to give you words to speak when you open your mouth. Even though you don't know what to say, you're afraid of what's going to maybe come out of your mouth or what they're going to say, you just start talking and trust that He's going to give you the words to speak. And it requires faith and trust as we just keep going out into our communities, living the life God has created us to live and preaching the gospel, trusting Him that He is doing work in people's hearts that he's going to draw people to himself and he's going to build his kingdom here on earth. So the good life that we are called to live in the world is one of faith in Jesus Christ, lived out in our communities where God has placed us. Let's pray. Father, we, we come before you and uh, just recognize that uh, we fall very short of this. Even those of us who have been following you for years and decades, um, we fall very short of what you've called us to do. So we ask your forgiveness, and we repent and we turn to you. And uh, we ask you to give us guidance, and we ask you to give us strength and to give us an extra measure of your spirit to, to empower us to go out into the world and live the life you've called us to live. 
that we can go out into the world with sympathy, with kindness, with compassion, with humility, that we can go out with the strength not to return evil for evil or insult for insult. We can go out into our communities and seek peace and pursue it. Father, we need you to do that. We need your strength. We need your power. We need your courage. And so we pray that you would do that in our hearts, that you would grab hold of us and carry us through this next week. Help us to courageously step into opportunities that you put in front of us and help us to trust you as we open our mouth to speak. We do trust you with all of our lives, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.